Welcome to Momentum Church. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Tyler. Um, actually, it's Tyler Wilkes. You can just you don't have to call me Pastor Tyler. You can just call me Tyler. It's fine. Um, and I am the youth pastor here, uh, and I get the honor and privilege um, throughout week after week just um, working with your middle school and high school students. Um, I see some graduated faces in here, um, and, and I'm starting to get to that point now where I, when I see graduates, it, like, I get a little bit uh, emotional, and I'm just like, my kids too, right? <laughs> um, I just want to kind of just let you know, I like to set up reasonable expectation for things, right? So I want you to know that this morning, um, you have not walked into a Jay Christopher's, um, you've walked into a Waffle House. Um, so... <laughs> I, I may stumble a little bit, uh, but we're going to have a, a good time. Um, also, last night, uh, we had a little bit of a toddler Mount Vesuvius happen in our home. Um, and so I was up until about 1 o'clock trying to console my 15-month-old daughter and get her back to sleep. So she seems to be doing a lot better now. Don't worry, you don't have to stay away. It's not a stomach bug. It was just some bad spaghetti. Um, this, is, this, is my only, this is only my fourth time being up here um, speaking with you guys and uh, so I get very excited, um, and, and just this whole series through John has just been incredible. Um, and, and we've been able to read some inth- incredible moments, um, especially over the last couple of chapters as Jesus is getting ready to um, eventually go to the cross, and he's having his last night with the disciples and his last week with them. And in John 13, we, we read about how um, Jesus washed the disciples' feet in this incredible act of service to them. And, and in John 14, we talked about Jesus preparing a room for us in eternity. And, and it's just these things that start to encourage us and build us up and everything. And in John 15, last week, talked about how Jesus loves us like God loves us. And because of the love of Jesus, we know the Father loves us. And so I was really, really excited to jump into John chapter 16 this week. So I started reading over um, what I had to read, and it starts out like this. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So today we're going to talk about persecution. I appreciate Pastor Ross um, asking me to preach on this subject. Um, and so hopefully, you know, the, the, the heaviness of persecution, hopefully we can, we can provide some practical things um, when we talk about persecution because I, I don't think that we see persecution a lot um, in our day-to-day lives. You guys were able to come to church this morning um, without fear of, of losing your life, um, without fear of somebody coming in re- arresting you. Um, and, and we... That is something that we are very, should be very grateful for because in the rest of the world, they do not have that privilege. When I, when I was a kid growing up, my mom used to have a magazine that she would get called Voice of the Martyrs. Um, some of you may be familiar with it, but um, basically it would tell these harrowing stories of, of all these martyrs that um, just current people that had, had given their life for the cause of Christ over, um, overseas, over in China and, and other um, countries where it's not legal or it wasn't at the time to preach the gospel. Um, and, and I think that if we're not careful, we might 
confuse um, some sorts of pressures of life because we all have pressure in life, and, and, and we might confuse some of that pressure with persecution. And we might find ourselves in, in situations like this. I've got some memes for you. Um, we live in a generation where um, information and humor is told through memes. Um, and so we're going to share a few memes today. This one is, uh, why are you giving me your toughest battles, Jesus? Um, so it's a very sad person um, talking to Jesus saying, why are you giving me your toughest battles? And so things like, all she says was, God's not dead is dumb, right? Some of you may not find humor in that, but I think it's pretty funny. Um, I made some of these, so you, you don't have to laugh. You, I can laugh at them myself. I'll go, I'll go watch them later, and then let's, let's look at the next one. They literally just forgot the pickles. Anybody ever gone to Chick-fil-A, got your chicken sandwich, you open up, you're like, why? No pickles? Anyways, next. They literally, you literally just have to brush your teeth. Why are you giving me your toughest battles, Jesus? Let's go to the next one. You literally just need to fold your clothes. Literally just wait a few months and the snow will melt. Those of you that are um, from Ohio, we don't, we don't know, understand what the struggle is here right down in Georgia. But uh, I know from uh, my friends that live out in the Midwest, it's, uh, it's pretty terrible. And I can imagine. That's why I don't live there. And lastly, they're just out of pumpkin spice. It's fall, y'all. <laughs> And so this is, this is, if we're not careful, this is kind of what we may find ourselves seeing the pressure of life and thinking that some sort of persecution. I know you guys don't do that in here, but, but we tend to get down from the pressures of life sometimes. And when we talk about words like persecution, we need to understand that we can't look at it through the lens of, of our common um, day-to-day lives. We can't just go to uh, Merriam-Webster, right, and, and look up and find the definition specifically that we find in Scripture. So what we have to do is we have to go to something called a Greek lexicon, right? And that makes me sound really smart that I just said that. A Greek lexicon. And basically, the New Testament is translated from Greek, and the Old Testament is translated from Hebrew. So if you look at a word, and, and guys, I am a nerd for words, okay? Um, if you ask any of your students, we just talked about a, word, a Greek word a couple weeks ago was, was uh, euangelos, right? And it's like a messenger. And so I'm like throwing these Greek words at them. And I'm like, hey, you know more Greek than your parents do now. Um, but um, I am a nerd for words. And so when I'm reading this and I see the word persecution, I'm like, look, I, I can't just go off of what I know and what I've understood persecution to be. We, we've got to do some digging here. And, and you have the availability to do that. It's an online resource. I use biblehub.com, and you can go and you can look at the Greek words, and it's funny because when, they, when it's literally translated, it, looks like, it sounds like Yoda speaking um, because the way that the Greek to English translation is, it's weird. It, it messes up. It, that tickled me a lot. But, um, so when we look at the word persecution, um, the Greek root for that is a word called dioko. Um, which sounds like dioko ono, but it's not. Um, so dioko means to put to flight or pursue. Okay, to put to flight or pursue. So in other words, persecution is a pursuit to scatter, smother, cover. If, if you're not from the South, that, that sounded like a really, really brutal way to say something about persecution, but um, those are Waffle House references, and they just don't work in the real world, do they? <laughs> As humans, we don't want to be scattered, covered, and spread. Anyways, um, I'm just hungry this morning, I guess. Um, <laughs> so when we talk about persecution, it's this pursuit to scatter, right? We feel the pressure, but it's a very specific pressure, and it causes us to want to scatter or give up. And the big question is, why 
are we persecuted? Why is it that all I'm trying to do is follow Jesus, all of the disciples were trying to do is follow Jesus, and they suffered these, these brutal deaths, some of them? Why is it? Jesus presents this message of love and, and salvation and, and being, um, being able to be in the presence of God, yet there's persecution in the world. So we got to turn to the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 1.21, this isn't up on the screen, but if you want to write it down, I'm going to go read it later. 1 Corinthians 1.21, the world did not know God. And in John 7.7, 7, the world's works are evil. And lastly, in John, 1 John 5.19, the world in its current state is under the control of Satan. I didn't say that. <laughs> Scripture says that. The world in its order is, is under the control of Satan, these world systems that we are in. And so Satan thinks that if he can put enough pressure on us, that we'll give up. If he can put enough pressure on us, if, if, if the Jewish people could put enough pressure and the Romans could put enough pressure on the early church, then they would be scattered. And guess what? They were scattered but it was for God's glory because you and I got to hear the gospel because of that scattering. And so I kept reading. I'm like, you know what? Maybe there's something better. And, and I get all the way through the passage. There's some encouraging stuff in there. And then I get to um, John chapter 16, verse 33, which is where Jesus kind of bookends this passage, right? This conversation that he's having with the disciples. And, and we will always do ourselves such a, a disservice if we don't look at the context of what is going on in the scripture. And so this is a conversation between Jesus and his disciples, one of the last conversations that he has with them. And so he says this in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Yay, we have something encouraging. And then we read the next sentence. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Tribulation. Now when I, when I think of that word tribulation, um, I grew up in a, a Christian home in the 90s, and uh, the Left Behind series came out. Anybody know? Um, and so I think about Tribulation Force. <laughs> it was like the series after that. Lord help us. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Jesus wasn't talking about that tribulation, the, the final judgment, the final test. Um, he, was, he was talking about something else. And again, we have to go back to the root, the Greek word, right, for tribulation, which is philebo which sounds like something connected to your hip bone, but it's not. Thalibo, which means to press, like you would press grapes in a wine press. Thank goodness they don't use feet anymore. Um, or to press hard upon. And so when we look at tribulation, we need to see tribulation as pressure. Now I think as I read the, read the text more and more and more, I feel like Jesus was setting up this idea that no, no matter what, guys, there is going to be pressure. You are going to see pressure, whether if it's just from the system of the world or it's very specific persecution. There is going to be pressure. And so we can read this text as this. In the world, you will have pressure, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, when I say pressure, I know you guys are already thinking about things. Maybe something that's going on in your job right now. You, you feel pressured to, to kind of uh, compromise your, your beliefs and your morals, um, and, and you, you feel like in order to get ahead, in order to get that next promotion, you're going to have to compromise some things. 
Maybe, maybe in, a, in a marriage or a familial relationship right now, there's, there's strain, there's pressure on that relationship. There's just pressure in life in general where you just, you feel like, I, I can't watch the news anymore because it's all just this ridiculous stuff that puts more and more weight on me and I feel like I'm going to crack. But we all have pressure. And so now that we kind of read these two things, this idea of pressure, let's jump back into our text. And if you will, please stand for the reading of God's word. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates me. Remember what I told you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. You may have a seat. And so when we talk about this idea of pressure and and, and pressure existing as a natural part of this broken world, the world applies pressure to cause us to conform. And we see evidence of that all throughout Scripture. The Egyptians put pressure on the Israelites when they asked to be freed from slavery for four, after 400 years. The Israelites then, after being freed from Egypt, put pressure on Aaron. Once Moses went up to Mount Sinai and was gone for 10 days, they're like, hey, that guy's not coming back. Let's make some golden calves, guys. And so they, they make golden calves and they worship those idols. And the Babylonians, they put pressure on the Israelites to worship their gods, and four young Israelite men resisted. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Rakshak and Benny, if you're VeggieTales fans. Um, and also Daniel. And they, Shadrach, Meshach, I almost called it Rakshak and Benny. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were put into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't conform. And Daniel was put into a lion's den because he wouldn't conform. And the thing is, we can trace this all the way back to the original sin. Now, I have a little illustration. I love illustrations. Um, and I was sitting, um, sitting in my kitchen a couple weeks ago, and I learned this cool trick uh, a while back. I don't remember who told me, but uh, just about how strong an egg is. Tom, I'm going to give you another chance. Can you, can you come up here, Tom? I know he hates me right now. So... I was testing this out. I, I had to hard boil these because, yes, yes, give it up for Tom. Um, I had to hard boil these because I didn't want egg yolks all over the carpet because guess who has to clean that stuff? Me. Um, and so Tom did this earlier and he, uh, he somehow, I don't know how you did it. You crushed it. But an egg, by creation, is, is able to withstand intense amounts of, of pressure. Um, and, and it's like even pressure around the egg. And so what I'm going to have you do this time, oh, we're going to go this way, all right, with the palm there, and then you're going to squeeze and you're going to try and break. If while, you do this, while you talk? no, you're just going to do it right now. So just going to, yeah, everybody's going to look and stare at you. In the palm, hold on, let me, there you go, right there. All right, yep, just like that. Go ahead. Oh, yeah! Though, right? Yeah, the, yeah, don't squeeze, okay. We can try it the other way. The way that we did it before. 
Here, try it like that. This thing exploded. It, Yes, it's because they're cold now. Praise the Lord. I prayed. Oh, dang it. There it goes. All right. You take that with you. Bye, Tom. <laughs> dang it. If it, was, if it wasn't hard-boiled, it would have worked. There's no proof of that. But um, Tom is just insanely strong. Um, I, I tested it with two other people. And, um, but <laughs> if you, the thing is, at least you saw the first time, he was not able to crack that egg, right? He put it in his palm with the bottom of the egg there and, and pulled as hard as he could. And because of the natural state of how that egg is able to resist pressure, it didn't crack. And so we have Adam and Eve in the garden. I've only got two eggs left. Do I have? I've got three eggs. Okay. Whew. All right. And Tom won't be here. Uh, he will be here, but I'm not going to use him next service. Um, <laughs> and so you have Adam and Eve in this perfect peace in the Garden of Eden, right? There's still pressure, right? There's pressure in the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil because God wanted us to have the choice to follow him. And so you have Adam and Eve in this perfect peace in this relationship with God. And then you have Satan come along and he does something really interesting. He, um, he plants a little bit of doubt and so I have a little 16-gauge nail right here, and I'm just going to crack it. And that tiny crack is enough. I'm not even close to as strong as Tom. For me to easily take that egg, barely applying any pressure, to crack it. Let's just, let's, let's just sit in that for a second, because it only takes a little bit of precise pressure. It only took a little bit of doubt in Adam and Eve applying that precise pressure in sin for the whole thing to fall apart. And so persecution comes very specifically and Satan knows exactly which buttons to press with us, doesn't he? Because something that may trigger you is not gonna trigger me. Maybe, maybe I want to have a successful business because my family didn't have much as a kid and I am willing to do whatever it takes and I find that maybe I can just crunch the numbers a little bit. Maybe I can cheat just a little bit. Nobody will ever find out. And it begins this unraveling at that point because you know once, once one thing works, we got to go to the next thing. Maybe my spouse seems disconnected and no matter how much I try to reconnect with my spouse, it's not working. And so I have this friend that is a friend of the opposite sex and I just start to find a little bit of comfort in that friendship. And it's, it's nothing at the beginning. It's, it's nothing that is really gonna be, anybody would see on the outside and think it's weird. But that stuff grows. That's a very precise thing, a precise temptation and maybe it's you, the pressure to gain approval is just too great for you and, and you just want to escape from the world. And so all you do is get home and you go to social media to escape. And it's literally sucking the life out of you. Guys, I, I have to admit over the past few weeks, I, I have been spending way too much time on Instagram and Facebook and so I had to literally delete them from my phone. It's like, I'm, I'm a grown man, I should have more self-control than this. I gotta find out what happened to Aunt Betsy. 
No, I'm just, Aunt Betsy's not that, she's not that interesting, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was mean. Sorry, Aunt Betsy, you actually really don't exist, but um, I just thought of the name. <laughs> and so no matter what it might be for you, the world tries to use these broken pieces to find peace in the pressure right? Because that's all the world understands. And so the world is trying to, to come to grips with the brokenness of the world. And so it tries to take, take things like anger and frustration. And, and how do I deal with those things? It tries to take things like, like brokenness, death, um, war. Uh, it, it, it tries to take things like love and apply its own understanding to all of these concepts. And something broken is trying to get back to something that is unbroken and it just can't do it. Because again, in in verse 19, it says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, the world hates you. The world wants that peace and it sees the peace that God brings, but it doesn't want to pay the price that it costs. Because the world is broken and far from God, it hates the things of God. And so now I've left you, hope, not hopefully, but I've probably left you in a state of, of uh, wondering, like, when the heck is this guy going to get something positive, right? <laughs> and if the systems of the world don't work, then how can we find peace in the pressure? And this, this John chapter 16 passage is so beautiful because Jesus does such a really amazing job of basically saying, look, I have something right now that you don't have. And if I stay on this earth with you, you are not going to have it. But if I go back to the Father and I'm obedient to the Father, then I can send you a helper that is going to make these things possible for you. And he says this in uh, chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So, so the, the idea of, of this, I think a lot of times we think, okay, well, if, if the world's pressure is bad, that must mean that the opposite of pressure is like relief. And I shouldn't have any pressure. And, and that's not what this passage is saying, Right? Because the Holy Spirit brings conviction, which is pressure. But while the world brings pressure to conform, the Holy Spirit brings pressure to transform. Because he's not looking to us to to try and and work with what we got and say, okay, well, you're broken, so let's just work with what we got, right? You, You gotta try and find your way to God. No, he's saying, look, this has to be we have to restore this as much as possible back to this original plan. Back to what that original relationship that, that Adam and Eve had with God when they were in perfect peace with God. There was still the pressure of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Holy Spirit wants to begin to work things back together. But how does he do that? He applies pressure, right? He convicts us of sin. And if, if, if following the, the patterns of the world is, is hatred towards God, then Holy Spirit's going to come in and be like, look, that pattern is not going to work any longer. Will you turn to Jesus? Hey, 
I'm going to apply very specific pressure to this point, but it's not to break you. It's to mend you. It's already broken. So he convicts us of sin. He reminds us that our righteousness is in Christ alone, where the world is trying to make a name for itself and will do anything in its power to do so. Holy Spirit is telling us, hey, your righteousness is in Jesus. You cannot pay the price enough. You cannot make this work on your own because it's broken. And as soon as that pressure is applied, you are going to crack under that pressure. Don't roll. Thank you. Gosh, it's, I can't tell you how many times like things just, I'm very clumsy. Um, <laughs> and last, that, that, that Satan is being judged and he has been defeated. Holy Spirit testifies to those things. And he begins to mend the cracks left after the fall. But the question is, does that mean once I'm transformed or I'm being transformed by the Holy Spirit that I cease to feel that pressure? Well, those of you that are uh, being transformed by the Holy Spirit, do you, do you feel no pressure anymore? No. But I feel like the church does a really, really terrible job of presenting this gospel of if you come to Jesus, then everything's going to be great. If you pray a prayer, then guess what? All of your worries are going to go away. Fairy Godmother Jesus is going to come in and turn, turn that pumpkin into a carriage, all right? Um, I don't, why didn't my brain go there? Oh, that wasn't even anywhere in my notes. <laughs> but, but we do such a terrible job, not, not Momentum Church, but the church as a whole, especially in America, of preventing, presenting this, this comfortable gospel. And all that people want is to know that there's something real. There's something that can help them to, to be mended because they're broken, whether they recognize it or not. They want to know that the system that, that has failed them for so long and, 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 and let them down and left them broken can be mended. But here's the thing. What we've done in the church is we've taken the world's systems and we've placed them inside of our churches by doing that, by presenting this, this comfortable gospel. I can't tell you how many times as a kid I heard, you know, you know just pray this prayer and you'll be saved. And, and then I didn't feel saved at all. From the pressure. And so, we need to understand, because in verse 33 it says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have pressure or tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Man, we don't have to lean on the wisdom of this world to try and heal us. We can't. We're going to crack. And we should recognize and feel that pressure. And I don't think any of us should ever feel pressured by the church to put a smile on your face, a fake smile, to go walk around pretending like everything is okay. You should have peace, yes, and you will have peace. And maybe peace isn't yours right now, but if you will continue to allow Holy Spirit to convict you of sin, to remind you that your righteousness is in Christ alone, and testify to you and to the rest of the world that Satan is defeated and being judged, then you can begin to be restored. I'm not going to take another egg out of here. I don't want to drop it and break it. Then I won't have anything for next service. So we should recognize and feel that pressure. I, I give you the freedom to do that. 
but don't sit in it. Always go back to the Holy Spirit. Always go back to that, that conviction of sin, the reminder of whose righteousness we have, and also testifying that Satan has been defeated and judged. And Jesus ends that whole passage so beautifully, but take heart. Have courage. Be encouraged. Through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross in partnership of the Holy Spirit, we can have peace in the pressure. Lord, I just thank you so much today for, for this sermon, God. Just the, the words that you put in front of us. Lord, I pray that it has been a, a, a sermon that maybe caused us a little bit of tension, but also has brought hope. Hope in you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that, that anyone that is going through that pressure right now and feels like they're about to crack, that they begin to seek these things out. Is there something I'm doing in my life that is, that is against God? Am I trying to find my own righteousness and, and stand on that? And do I think that Satan ultimately has the victory over this? And as they ask those questions, I pray that they're, they're encouraged in their spirit and they, they can have peace in whatever pressure they're going through. I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.